Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I am Liam Allen with Morris Sachs. How you doing, Morris? Well, I'm in sunny Arizona, so my mood is uh, greatly improved from where it was uh, last week. Um, also, Bitcoin has dropped like a rock, so that's got to make you happy, right? Don't you hate when bad things happen to good people? <laughs> um uh, so what's new? Um, you said, you know, you said you're in a good mood out there in Arizona. Um, and you also mentioned that you'd like to discuss the mood and, invo- and emotions oh, yeah. Inve- of investors. investors. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, our good friend, Kevin Muir interviewed me on a, uh, competitor podcast last week, and we were talking about trading as a profession. Um, and, you and I've always talked about this podcast being for sort of the people trying to learn how to be in the market, not for guys who do it full time or professionals. Right. Um, but, uh, there's some things that occurred to me when I was talking to Kevin, uh, that I thought it might help in terms of, uh, what I found was one of the keys to, to help me get to be better, uh, that that I think would be transferable, and that was sort of how you felt about things when you were doing them. Um, so uh, I, I, I'm sorry to be so vague, but you know, l- l- let's talk about you for a minute, okay? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, when you're involved in the market on a day by day basis, tell me what what kind of thoughts go through your head when you're doing stuff. Ah. Uh. It depends. When the market opens at 9.30 and it's all green on the screen, I'm the smartest man alive, I'm going to be rich, and, and, and everything is great. And by 11.30, when they turn red, I have questioned all my decisions, and I get paper hands, and I want to sell stuff that I don't like, and it's, it's, it's mental gymnastics. Um, so I try not to look at it. And if I don't look at it because I'm a buy and hold long-term investor, I don't stress it. But mm-hmm. when I'm looking, it just seems to be a nonstop confirmation of right or wrong decisions. Yeah, which is it fair to say that affects sort of how you feel about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it can, it can, yeah, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, the old FUD, uh, is, is a real thing. Right. So, um, you asked me any number of times about whether I get the FOMO, the mm-hmm. fearing and the sound. And, and I, I think I answered you fairly honestly, which is, you know, I don't as much as anybody can, can avoid that, right? We're all humans. So there is mm-hmm. some, but I, I think that's uh, something I've been able to avoid. But uh, the one thing that preys on me uh, constantly is this questioning the decision-making process, mm-hmm. going over, do I have the right trade? Do mm-hmm. I have the right uh, size? Do I have the trade expressed properly? And like you said, when things are going your way, 
you feel pretty good. And, um, you know, uh, all the jokes are funny and all the food's good and all the women are pretty. And Mm -hmm. when, you know, uh, things are going the wrong way, it's like, what are you stupid? What did you miss? You're losing money. You're never going to make money again. You know, you're worthless, yada, yada, yada. And, 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 you know, I, I mean, it sounds, uh, if I heard that, I would say, well, that's a, a pretty weak person to, to be that flippant. But the, the truth is, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I've had a lot of ups and downs. And uh, I've, I've kind of been around long enough to convince even me that I, I can make a go of this. So if I'm having those sorts of questions in my mind constantly, uh, I would imagine somebody new to the, this process of investing uh, might have similar experiences. So I thought maybe if I could kind of uh, talk about the fact that, you know, I have these issues mm-hmm. or difficulties, better word. Mm-hmm. And what I have done to try and, and I'm going to use a big word, I don't know if I'll get it right, but ameliorate mm-hmm. those Got difficulties. It. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, I've for a long, long time had this, uh, kind of interest in gambling, um, mm-hmm. just kind of cause it always seemed to be sort of cool. And, um, when I got to be a pretty successful trader, uh, proprietary trader, um, I found that the, the daily P and L swings we would have at work got to be awfully large in terms of dollars. And it got to the point where the the change in the ups and the downs on a dollar basis got so large it, it was it was it was pretty difficult emotionally to to handle that stress. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way it occurred to me, you know, when you go into a casino, right? And I'm talking about sort of your modern day situation. You go to like my game is craps. The same sure. thing is true with blackjack. You you put down your money on the table, and the dealer counts it, and he gives you chips, right? Mm-hmm. So the conventional wisdom as well: the chips are easier to manipulate, and the dealers can bang out all these funny things with them, and the way they mm-hmm. stack them, and the spin them, and the colors, and the, mm-hmm. and then you know the yo eleven, and people are throwing mm-hmm. them, and basically what what they basically do is they disconnect you from the reality of money. Absolutely. They're no longer, it's no longer $50, which is what you, I mean, I guess what you hopefully pay for a babysitter to go out for dinner for a night, although mm-hmm. no one's going out for dinner and I don't know what babysitters <laughs> get anymore. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, so what I did was I stopped looking at um, the absolute dollar amounts of my P and L day to day. And when you trade bonds, this is just, this is just, uh, um, I think vernacular, um, bonds trade in one thirty seconds of okay. a point. And so one thirty second is also called one tick. Okay. And so I would say, well, if, uh, I want to make $5 million on this trade and, uh, it has the potential uh, to make five ticks. I need to put enough on 
that each tick is a million bucks. Okay. And so then I would size the position accordingly. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I would say to, you know, my friend who, you know, uh, sitting to my right, I'd say, how do we do? And he'd be like, we're up a tick, we're down a tick, we're up mm -hmm. three of a tick. And that way, somehow I made that shift from dollars to ticks, mm -hmm. right? And I didn't do anything except I changed the 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 texture of what we were doing, right? It was no longer dollars, it was percentages. And so if we reverse engineer this uh, for people who are looking to invest, I, I think, first of all, I'm going to continue to harp on you not to be a day trader, but you know, I'm not your mother or your wife, so I, you know, you're going to do what you're going to do. But for an investor, I would focus on percentages and understand that uh, over a long period of time, there's going to be long runs of very good results, long runs of uh, average results, and, uh, you know, times mm -hmm. you get rained out, right? Yep. Sometimes yep. you win, you lose, sometimes you get rained out. Yep. And, and so uh, I was wondering how that sounded to you. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, even, I mean, I, I'm connected to an iPhone like you, and you know how the stock page is where you can read three different numbers. You can get the percentage, you can get, I guess, the daily volume, and the dollar amount of the gain and the gain and loss. Um, mm -hmm. So if I'm looking at the daily volume, I don't care about that. The percentage doesn't bother me. Like you said, if I'm looking at percentage, okay, I'm up one percent, two percent. That's not bad. But when it's the, when you look at it in the dollar amount, then it's real to me. And I said, I'm all right. I'm doing and I'm doing math and and figuring out what I'm up or down. So just like the, the chips, the casino. A little percentage tick, not not your tick, but a, a little, yeah. a, you know, a little move north or south in the percentage doesn't bother me the way the dollar amount does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and the last thing you want to be doing is math, right? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and for sake of clarity, that million dollars a tick was when I was uh, working. It, it okay. wasn't my own money. Okay. Um, I, uh, for sake of clarity. I did get a fixed percentage of mm -hmm. what we earned. So mm -hmm. it, you mm -hmm. know, like mm -hmm. I didn't make any money. I didn't get paid anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want people to think I was banging back, um, No, you no, know, no. positions that big. Right, uh, right. Um, um, although you never know. Right, you, yeah. You, yeah. You, never know. <laughs> you never know. So um, um, you know what made me think about this emotional uh, aspect of it was, um, you know, I've been haunted with this trade, the, the metals trade for well over a year now. And, um, it, it just trades so badly to me. It mm -hmm. feels so bad. And oh. Friday was just a, 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 t a total, um, I'm trying to keep it PG 13. Mm -hmm. So I'll just mm -hmm. say it was, a eight pounds of X in a Y pound bag. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but uh, um, what I'm trying to do is 
not focus on the dollars, understand um, that, well, let me, let me put it another way. When I have something on and it doesn't feel right, or mm-hmm. more importantly, if it's losing money, which is what's been happening with this stuff that I've been talking about, the metal mm-hmm. stuff recently. What I do is, um, we didn't call it the, this, but some people do, and I like the term. It's called they re-underwrite the okay. trade. And what it means is they start from scratch, and they say, mm-hmm. okay, look, based on everything you have, would you put this trade on from here? And if the answer is absolutely, well, then you're good. Mm-hmm. And if the answer is, yep. well, then you take it off and Got it. you regroup. And um, so for me, I spent the weekend re-underwriting this position that I have on. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I like it. Uh, I mean, I, I more than like it. I love it. I, I, the only part I don't like is the P&L. Um, unfortunately, that's what matters, right? Right. I mean, yep. You know, Kevin Muir, I think, stole my line about uh, trading's hard and uh, the trick is making money, not being right. Um, mm-hmm. I like to phrase it as it's not about being right. It's about making money. And, yep. um, but once again, this is more of how a professional would view it. And I would think that um, uh, for the person that is looking to accumulate savings and wealth over the long run, you know, look to what your advantages are that the professional doesn't have. And that is a long time horizon, hopefully unlevered, looking, and this is very difficult right now given the low level of interest rates, but looking for ways to compound money over longer periods of time and then find tax-efficient strategies. So, for most people, IRAs, 401ks, those sorts of things, mm-hmm. you know, you, you lose flexibility. And um, going back to one of our earlier podcasts about building a foundation, mm-hmm. um, you know, before I would defer anything, I'd make sure I had a long lead time of cash sitting in the bank. So if something bad happened, mm-hmm. uh, we were good. But after that, you know, I'd start pushing stuff into, like I said, IRAs or 401ks. Yep. Um, yep. And once again, that's always after paying down any high uh, high interest rate debt somebody has. Gambling right? debt. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, – let me ask you a question since you brought them up. 60-40 bond – IRA. Hey, yeah. You got an opinion on that, or do you not want to touch that? Well, you know, um, oddly enough, if you asked me that two or three years ago, I I would have said, look, whether it's 40, 60, 60, 40, I think for most people that's a, mm-hmm. that's the way you want to go. I, what I see here is really a very difficult situation where you have the risk-free rate which is the treasury yields are very low. So for instance, a two year note yields 12 basis points. That, that means for a million dollars, you get 
$1,200 of interest a year, which is schnit. I mean, it's zero, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. If you go out to the 30-year bond, which is hugely volatile, uh, that yield is in the mid-twos. So once again, we go to our million-dollar investment. And I use that number just because mm -hmm. that's how everything works in my mind because it's yep. a round number. You make $25,000 a year. Yeah. Um, and by the way, the price of that bond can go up or down by $25,000 right. on any given day. So you're not getting a lot of cushion in terms of your interest. Yeah. So at this point, uh, I think having your traditional mix of assets with a large percentage in bonds or mm -hmm. as, as we, or I like to call it fixed income, mm -hmm. I'd be a little cautious and uh, more cautious than normal for two reasons. Reason one, as I just mentioned, I think the rates are very low and they may be low appropriately, meaning the rate might be right given uh, where we are in the economic cycle. But I think they're low in terms of what they provide you in terms of a cushion if rates go up. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two, and this is the big deal, you have a tremendous amount of refinancing going on by lower and lower quality corporations. And um, what typically happens is a lot of the people who manage money for the funds you know, whether I don't want to mention any specific company because I don't mm -hmm. need to get sued here, but your mm -hmm. typical huge bulge bracket asset manager, they have fund choices out the ass, right? Mm -hmm. Corporate fund A, corporate fund B, special fund C. The, mm -hmm. you, you do not get the best and the brightest running these funds, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you, you may get some bright kids trying to learn some stuff, or, but, you know, it's up and out. If you're any good, yep. you're going to yep. move along, right? So what happens is you get investment managers that either aren't talented or don't have much experience. And these portfolios get loaded up with even adjusted for credit, they're probably not the best choices. Right. And then in a lot of these funds, you have to really read the fine print because many of them, will involve some uh, small amount of leverage, okay. which when the Fed is easing and rates are going down for something like these funds, it's a, it's a beauty. You're getting long mm -hmm. and you're long more than you should be and you're making more money and everything's great. But once the rates stop going down or rates start going up, which by the way, I don't forecast but in general, that's just one mm -hmm. of these things. Mm -hmm. But it's likely people with these mixtures of the of the asset mix between bonds and stocks, the bonds are going to own are going to be shitty bonds. Okay. And yeah. so I think even the Oracle of Omaha made mm. some comment about it being a tough time to own bonds. Mm. Um, he's not a bond guy. So he's always pussing on bonds, just like I'm a bond mm -hmm. guy, so I'm always pussing on stocks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hang, hang on one second. I need yeah, to take yeah, a yeah. sip of water. Yeah. I'm going to bother you about your yeah. uh, interest rate forecast also. 
Um, so uh, I don't know if that gave you an answer about your 60-40 or not, but. Uh, no, it does. Um, I got sick of looking at my bonds do absolutely nothing for three years in, in one of my 60-40 uh, accounts. So I, I got rid of them. Well, I would think in the last three years, the bond portion of your of your 60-40 should have performed very nicely. Um, no, it was like a, a Vanguard. I told you the two tickers for them. Um, and they were just maybe 1% or 2% over the course of the year. I got rid of them, so I can't see it. But, yeah, I got sick of looking at it every day. Was the the large cap stocks, the small cap stops, stocks ripping over the you know the last two years, mm-hmm. and the bonds doing nothing? Yeah. See, th- that's a curious thing because, um, um, once again, I, I'm always mm-hmm. on uh, guard mm-hmm. for early onsets, Alzheimer's. But <laughs> I, I think the interest rates over the last – two, three years have declined pretty good and credit spreads have declined pretty good. So it, it may come down to when you pitched those funds that had the bonds in them. But, um, you know, a couple of things might've happened. One is you might've got out of them at the wrong time, but I think more likely than not, uh, the bonds in the portfolio just were were crappy bonds. Yeah. Yeah. To my point is, you 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 know you get the uh, chucklehead portfolio manager that you know they get money coming in and I know how it goes. It's like yep. four hundred yep. million came in today. I gotta buy something. You know I yep. can't I can't drop below my benchmark and yep. bop 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 and mm-hmm. so you you can tell I'm pretty uh, uh, antagonistic <laughs> towards portfolio <laughs> managers. Um. um there's one that I'd love to talk about. You talk about the emotions of uh, the investors is uh, my girl, Kathy. I had to uh, end my relationship uh, with her this week. Um, How'd she take it? Uh, so far, so good. Uh, I don't know. I haven't spoken to her over the weekend, but um, we'll see what happens on Monday. Um, because the whenever you read things like um, – like like tailspin and and other other sort of phrases that really are the red flag negative feedback loop. I don't want to read anything about a negative feedback loop um, having to do with my investments. And uh, for the listeners out there, I'm talking about Kathy Wood in the ARK basket, which I was in love with for the last uh, eighteen months, two years, and I had to really two years. You were hanging out with her for two years. Yeah, I bet it's been two. Yeah, yeah, twenty nineteen probably. Yeah, oh, so yeah, you we had, uh, we had a good run. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd say you yeah. had a great run. Thanks for telling easy, me. Yeah, Appreciate easy that. money. Well, um, <laughs> I had to. You know why? You you played a part in this. I had to distance myself from Bitcoin, and yeah. I wanted to get away from Tesla too. So okay. the way to do that was to get yeah. rid of my ARKs. Um, once you start reading again, this is a mistake that I make is that I read after I buy stuff. So, all right, now I love the ARK because I wanted to get exposure to Bitcoin. That's how it started, you know? So, so, um, the, if I may interject here, um, there's, there's a couple of things that, uh, Ms. Wood, 
uh, has done, which are, um, you know, once again, holding myself out to be a, a, mm-hmm. a seasoned professional. One mm-hmm. is uh, when her positions start going against her, she starts telling people how much she likes them and uh, that she's going to buy more. That, yep. There's that Shakespeare quote, um, the lady doth protest too much, methinks. Okay. Um, so uh, if you like it that much, what, what do you need to be yep. barking about? You know, if you mm-hmm. like it that much, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, she's on CNBC okay. shilling it. I know. Yeah, there you go. Now, here's the big thing. And um, once again, uh, this is something that I've mentioned to a couple of people uh, that are in the more professional trade. And what uh, Ms. Wood and ARC uh, claims is one of their strong points is none of them are Wall Street people, right? Or they're they're not. Is that right? Okay. So here's the story. Uh, when you're sitting around pushing stuff around on paper, it's paper. When you got to move a position, it's not paper anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's it. Depending on what it is, it could be blocks of cement or it could be diamonds, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I guess diamonds are probably a bad example mm-hmm. talking to you about stuff, but mm-hmm. it could be uh, something precious. Mm-hmm. Um, what I saw is. Um, so she's had fame and fortune, which is great and well-deserved because she's caught the market right. But more money has come into her. And I mentioned this to you, I think, a couple of times these yep. last podcasts. Money comes in and she buys more of what's working, which pushes mm-hmm. the price up, which pushes the return up, which more people send her money. And yep. she keeps buying more and more of the same thing. So I saw, I think it was over the weekend, and these are, you know, from – uh, sources believed to be reliable but cannot be guaranteed. Mm-hmm. She owns twenty five percent of a couple of companies. Oh yeah, a so, lot. So um, one of the stories I uh, regaled Kevin Muir with was how, as a young trader, I had this huge trade on, uh, and Paul Tudor Jones was the other side of it during the. I'm sorry, stock- who? Paul Tudor Jones. I've heard him. Okay. Um, I. I haven't kept in touch. How's he been doing? <laughs> um, I think he's okay. He's okay? All right. Well, if you run into him, tell him MB says hi. Um, but what I was saying was I had this really, really large position, and I had no idea how I was going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And then the stock market crashed, and Paul Tudor Jones had correctly predicted the bonds were going to rally. And so um, he needed to get out when he made his money. So for me – I had it hedged up, and I had done fine on my side of the trade. But um, because uh, I was right, I was able to move a large position at a good price Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I was right. Now, I've been on uh, the wrong side of trades where I've had a large position and I've been wrong. And let me tell you something. Give you a mental image because I've mm-hmm. been in this. It's like being in a barrel rolling downhill, mm-hmm. and you're not getting out of that barrel, and you're not stopping that barrel till you get down to the bottom of the hill. And it's mm-hmm. a corny example, but basically, what happens is when you're that big that you're bigger than the market, when you're wrong, you don't get to put the price 
on where mm-hmm. you get out. And so Ms. Wood has got, a, once again, read, she has a couple of positions that are, um, she's 25% of the company. So, you know, in a vacuum, um, you may say, well, what's the big deal? You know, uh, it might be a small portion of portfolio, this and that. But what happens is when you're in a bull market and everyone's throwing money at you, all you have to do is keep adding. Mm-hmm. What happens is when you start getting redemptions, what happens is there's this effect and you might want to call it sort of a black hole effect. So as you go to redeem, unless you hold a very large percentage of your portfolio in cash, a la uh, uh, a Seth Klarman kind of guy, um, you have to liquidate elements of your portfolio. And what happens is, especially, well, pretty much for anybody, when you have to liquidate you sell what you can sell, right? So you're probably not, your first choice ain't going to be to bang out these huge positions in these small companies because there's not going to be any kind of bid. So -hmm. you start selling your good stuff. And when the smart people realize what's going on, they know that if they're on the last half of the withdrawal process, Mm -hmm. they get stuck with the crap, Yep. Also, you know, like, uh, well, whatever, I've got a vulgar mm-hmm, term, mm-hmm. but I won't use it. But you see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. So you see this very often with hedge funds because uh, people always have their antenna up because hedge funds have these things called gates, which uh, when you sign, you give the the hedge fund manager and this is in general, not specific, but in general, you give the hedge fund manager the right to suspend redemptions okay, to protect the portfolio, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It allows them to have a, quote, orderly sure. liquidation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly how it works at an ETF, but uh, you know, generally these things are not written to protect the investor Right. They're written to protect the the asset manager, mm-hmm. and so uh, right now um, you're in a unique situation. Um, so let's talk about the the two big things everyone focuses on in the market, which are you know obviously what's most important. Number one, Tesla, and number two, Bitcoin. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing else matters. Right. That's all right. that matters. Yep. Yep. The birth rate, death rate. Interest rates, not just important. You've got a unique situation now, or unusual situation, where uh, the high on Bitcoin was uh, 58,000, 59,000. Yep, right around there. there. Okay, so right now it's around 44,000. Okay, so now, unlike when you were at 58,000, you have people who own stuff at a loss. Yeah. You, You with me? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So so when the market's at the high and everyone is long and you know, once again the the music's good and the drinks are tasty, no problem. But now the guy that fought it, loaded it up at fifty eight, is like, 
fuck me. I, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Darn me. I've been watching this thing since 15,000 and now I get in, now I got a loss, right? Same thing with, with the Tesla. Um, it doesn't mean they're going to zero. It doesn't even mean that they need to go much lower, but you get a definite different sort of trading pattern um, once you have bad positions in the market. And um, so I think a fund like ARC uh, is going to be very volatile because of two things. One is, or maybe it's three, but they all kind of compound on each other. The investments they hold are volatile. The investor base is volatile. And so the change in the investor base increases the volatility of the underlying portfolio. Wow. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, it's frightening. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. So I don't want to, I don't want to, talk down to you but i, no. I don't want to i don't want to assume that this is obvious either no 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 not at all um no i'm that guy I, i'm like you said i'm volatile and you know i was one of many i mean she had outflows for the first time i think last week um like a, you know a, a big number of people getting out of it where it's just been in 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 for the last whatever nine months and then it finally turned around so i'm not the only i I can't imagine i'm the only one right so um you're familiar with the story of this guy um lance armstrong yes you heard of him right so greatest ever american cyclist so um here's a guy that uh was a great cyclist and the poor guy uh developed uh was it lung brain and testicular cancer i think something like that well i think so anyway uh, he had he had plenty of cancer and uh not only did he uh survive right Mm -hmm. he went on to win the tour de france seven times now for those people listening um finishing one tour de France, the 21 stages is an epic achievement. Winning the, the whole race is a dream of a lifetime. And the fact that he won seven is just beyond belief. Throw on top of the fact that he had a very little chance of surviving cancer. It's a story for the ages, right? Well, guess what? He was taking medication to improve his performance. And um, even with that, still an accomplishment. But he he claimed he wasn't taking the, the, the illegal drugs, and yet he was. Okay. So there's sort of something that's too good to be true, and mm-hmm. it's a myth that was debunked. Um, but people like a story, right? Yep. And he had a little bit of a sense of humor. He was from Texas. He was American, hard work. You know, people ask me what I'm on. I'm on my bike five hours a day. That's what I'm on. You know, that kind of thing. Okay. So that was nonsense. Then yeah, the charity, uh, too. You know, the charity was, was you know, yeah, that played. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And, but it's not that, that's a good thing. That was a good thing. Okay. So then you go to this, another situation where you have this, young blonde haired girl with a very deep voice and a genius and dropped out of Stanford 
and she had a fear of needles, and she came up with this ingenious secret process that she could do a pinprick, and they could take a little bit of blood, and they could do this whole panel of blood tests. And, um, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and, and what happens? You know, fast forward to today, she's on trial, and if there's any justice in this world, they're going to lock her up and throw away the key, right? But everybody liked the story because it's a magical story, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, now we have someone that, you know, has caught the trend right and uh, is loading up at the high. Yeah, yeah. So so just a general rule and 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 um try, I don't know that I'm going to get this succinctly but it's it's our dime so let's give it a try right yeah, yeah. so so um a year ago plus or minus where would you say bitcoin was 5000 yeah plus or minus yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's do let's say five thousand because it makes the math easy, and I'm shitty sure. at math. Okay. Yeah. So last week it was fifty thousand. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So let's just let's just assume we know nothing about Bitcoin, which mm-hmm. pretty much is true for pretty much everybody, right? right. So in a year, something's gone up ten times. Yeah. And you're going to buy it there. Right. Now, truth, true story. In 2001, I'm flying out to Jackson Hole with my gang, who you know. And one of the f- friends of uh, my guy has got this, this thing with him, and it's like a music player. And it has these files on it they call MP3 files. And uh, I had heard of it like an MP3 player, but they'd always been kind of crazy and I didn't know how to download them. And anyway, this guy had this thing they called an iPod mm. and it was built by Apple. And he showed me like he had this little wheel and you spun the wheel and it's like, Oh, Bruce Springsteen click. Oh, darkness on the edge of town. Click. Oh, racing in the streets. Click, man, this thing is awesome. So mm. I'm going to go and I'm going to buy some, Apple stock when we get back from the from the ski and snowboarding trip, right? So I get back to work and I punch up on the Bloomberg and the thing had gone, Apple stock had gone from seven to eleven. Okay. And I'm like, I can't buy this. It's up fifty percent in like six months. And and when I say seven to eleven, yeah. I don't mean seven to eleven like it's a hundred and twenty-three right now. I mean seven to like 1200 right, right right so of course you know i'm i'm not the best guy to talk about you know when things have moved but if you just talk about your risk and your reward okay if if you bought it at 5000 we're talking about bitcoin now and it's at 50000 it's gone up 10 times you've made 10x right if you buy it at 50000 and it goes up fifty thousand. Okay, you've made one X, right? But you had to put up fifty thousand. Yeah. 
I, I just, to, to me, I, I, I just think it's, it's asking for trouble. And, you know, you can do the same thing with Tesla. Uh, you know, the difficulty for me with Tesla is I have some guys I like and they're all, you know, uh, wound up in the, in the bromance with Elon and it, it, Tesla's not a car company. It's a technology company and he's the smartest guy ever. And, 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 and he may well be, but you know, there's a lot of competition now and competition tends to, uh, compress margins. And when margins are compressed, companies make less money. And, uh, when you make less money, uh, if your, uh, PE ratio doesn't go up, your, your, and your earnings go down, your P goes down. Right. So, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know if any of this is more than just uh, my typical Sunday afternoon gripe and keep off no, the grass, no, Mr. Old Man, but I, I'm trying to put it in sort of rational. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, like I said, I wanted to talk about the emotions involved in investing and hearing you say all that makes me feel wonderful because now I'm confident that I've made all the right decisions by getting away from those lunatics, Kathy Wood and Elon Musk. Well, I, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't call them lunatics. I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're very good people. Um, at least on tape, you can quote me as saying they're very nice people. <laughs> um, so you're sticking to the silver. All right. That, you know, um, you, you, you re-underwrote and yes. you've re- reassessed and you're sticking to your guns. So, um, what I have is I have options on silver and I have options on gold. And the um, the options are give me for a, a finite amount of money the right to buy gold and silver at a certain price for a certain amount of time. And the time on these options is between September of this year and January of next year. And that may change. Uh, I mean, you know, I change my mind all the time, but it seems to me with my re-underwriting, why I like this is because you have money supply growth is very high and that tends to um, run the risk of triggering inflation. The risk, not necessarily. But we have the Congress has... Uh, the let's see, the House of Representatives has passed a $1.9 trillion stimulus package, which um, is 1.2 trillion of it is pork. It's 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 pork. Okay, so you have massive stimulus coming, and then I think you should expect to see a very very substantial uh, infrastructure package passed by uh, the government in the neighborhood of uh, maybe $2 trillion. Um, So there's a huge amount of fiscal stimulus coming, which I think is going to um, weaken the U.S. dollar, and it's going to create a shortage in certain kind of materials. And um, I think that over time, the enthusiasm for the Bitcoin as a store of wealth 
is going to uh, dissipate. I think the, uh, you know, uh, if the economy picks up, jewelry demand will pick up. That'll be very good for silver. Solar power is very good for silver. And uh, political uncertainty, which as you've seen between what's going on in China, Iran, um, and Russia should support silver and excuse me, should support gold as a safe haven. So, um, and until we get a sense of what the government's going to do about income taxes, uh, about how income is taxed, I'm going to tend to stay on the sidelines and, and hang on to my cash earning nothing. Um, (laughs) so, but you've got time on that. So we've got until what'd you say? September, um, well, September to January, but the bulk of it's out to January. So, and and by the way, I, I'm not suggesting people do this trade. I, I far from it. Please don't, because uh, it's probably not going to work, and then I'll feel bad. Um, but uh, you know, if something comes along and I decide I've changed my mind, I'm going to get out of it, and you know, I'll let you know. But you know, I'm going to get out before I let you know. Okay. All right. Um, so, um, send us emails. Uh, anything yeah. you guys want to talk about? Yeah. Inside baseballcast at gmail.com because we now have a lot of listeners, and I've and you've already mentioned them, but we have to thank Kevin Muir. Um, yeah, and obviously, you and your performance on Real Vision has uh has put us on the map finally. So, I look forward to see, speaking to you. Next Sunday, Mark. It's it's great. You know, I I've been getting all all these movie scripts sent to me. Um, <laughs> you know, they they're looking for a B level Robert De Niro. Um, <laughs> so, how long are you uh, are you south for? Uh until the fourteenth or fifteenth, I think. Great. Yeah. Great. Yep. Yep. Well, we're going to be riding outside together pretty soon. Someday. Someday. Um. You get a shot yet? No, not yet, right? No, Are but, you getting close? Get, the, get this. We're on the list to get on the uh, We're on the list to get on the list to get an appointment. Okay. <laughs> it's like uh, the glacier, but um, knock on wood, we're all healthy. So Good. anyway, Good next week. I'll see you Sunday, pal. All right, pal. You have a great one. Thanks, Mars. Take care.